More like you, Jesus. I want to be more like you. More like you, Lord. I want to be a vessel that you work through. I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. More like you, Jesus. I want to be more like you. More like you, Lord. I want to be a vessel that you work through. I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. Amen. And as the pastor is getting ready to deliver the word, I'll read the scripture for today, which comes to us from Exodus 31, verses 1 to 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He's a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He's skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He's a master at every craft. And I have personally anointed Oholiab, son of Ahishamak of the tribe of Dan to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I have commanded you to make. This is the word of the Lord and we honor it by saying, Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Pastor. This morning, I want. Good morning. To, morning, morning. This morning, I want us to. This song that is on my heart. I want to be more like you. I would love for us to make that as our confession this morning. Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be a vessel that you work through. I want to be more like you. I want to be a vessel that you work through. I want to be more like you. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to come into your presence. Lord, I keep reminding myself every time I come to this place, to this stage, that Lord, it is indeed a privilege. There's no way I can have audience right now with President Biden. I can't even have audience with Prime Minister Andrew. But Lord, look at who I can come to. I can come to you, King of Kings. Unannounced, without an appointment, we individually can come to you. We can bombard you. We can bombard heaven. And we know, Father God, that you are there ready to listen and to answer us. This morning, Lord, we confess that NLH that we want to be vessels through which you work. This morning we confess at any late, Father God, that we, we surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our minds to you. We surrender our bodies to you. We surrender our wills and our plans and our dreams and our aspirations to you. We surrender all of who we are to you. We wanna be that vessel, God, we want to be that vessel through which you love. We want to be that vessel through which you forgive. We want to be that vessel through you, through which you work. We want to be more 
Thank you. So this morning, Lord, as I bring your word, Lord, I again offer myself as a vessel through which you speak. I am being reminded this morning, God, that you, I am just a messenger from you. So, Lord, I ask that you speak. I'm reminded, Father God, that there's no word that I need to share more than the word that you want your people to hear. So, Lord, you speak. I'm reminded, Father God, that there is no revelation that I can offer your people this morning, but the revelation that comes from you. So, you speak. I'm reminded, Father, this morning that there is no better person for your people to hear but you, God. So you speak. I am only a vessel through which you can work, God. So I, I want to be that vessel. I want to be that vessel to with truth and love and peace and joy your people will hear. So you speak this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning again, my sisters. I think I'm only seeing one brother this morning, my brother. It is amazing what the Lord uses to encourage us. Eh? Every morning I look forward to come and to be with you. And as we are looking forward to celebrating six years in ministry, I keep saying to the Lord, I say, Lord, many of ministries started and in six years they are no more. But you have kept us for a reason. As small as we are, you have kept us for a reason. And you continue to do things through us. You continue to use us as vessels of honor. You continue to give us value where we would have had no value. You continue to give us worth in situations and in, in, in places where we would not have worth. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. After this morning, I want us to continue what we started last week. We started last week by looking at the sacredness in the ordinary or the sacred, sacredness infused in the ordinary. And so this morning, this is a, the part two of our message. And this morning, the text is Exodus 31, verses 1 to 11. So Sister Karen, I stopped short and told the six. It was really 11. But it's okay. I will do the, the reading where necessary. Last week, we began a two-part series. And from that, from that part one, we learned and we discovered that there's no need to actively search for grand and extraordinary events to, to encounter God. We were saying you don't have to go up on any hill to meet with, any, with God. You don't have to go off in the, in the desert to meet with God. You don't have to find a guru to sit and speak to you for you to meet with God. Yes, we need spiritual directors, but you don't, if you don't have a spiritual director, you can still meet with God. God, we learned last week, can be ex ex encountered in the ordinary, mundane, and everyday moments if we allow him to infuse our experiences with his presence. When we, you and I, recognize the sacredness inherent in the incarnational lifestyle lived by Jesus, our everyday life, the simple moments, the routine task, the giving of ourselves and our resources and the common interactions that we have, can, we can find deeper meaning, connection, and a sense of God's presence in the ordinary. Last week, we looked at Exodus 25, verses 1 to 9, where we sense that God was inviting us to bring to him a sacred and a sacrificial offering. He inv as he invited the Israelites to do. So we recognized last week it wasn't a command, it wasn't an instruction, it was, a it was an invitation. But at the same time, though it was an invitation, as invitations are always, there's the RSVP, reply if you please. 
God was saying to us at NLH that only those who were willing or are willing should respond. You know, when you get an invitation to a birthday party or to a wedding, they say RSVP because they really want to know if you're interested, if you're coming, if you're coming to partake, if you're coming to be a part of the party. And so they need to know so that they can count you in. It's a similar concept. God is saying to us, RSVP, because I need to know, can I count you in? Can I count you in as one of those who want to be that vessel through which he can work? Do you, can he count you in as one of those who say, Lord, I come not on, I do not come because I am coming from an obligation or I'm coming from a place of duty. I am coming voluntarily because I am willing because my heart has prompted me to be devoted and sincere to you. However, we are careful to, 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 to understand or to uncover that what God is saying to us is that I do not want just what you want to give me. I want the best portion of that which he has already provided. And we also looked at that the fact that what the, the Israelites had would have been given to them when they were leaving Egypt. When they ask their Egyptian neighbors, for gold and for silver and for bronze and for, for, for fabric and for yarn and for threads. And God was saying to the Israelites, I want an offering. Notice he wasn't saying I want all. He said, I want an offering of what I have provided. And so here in NLH, we sense that God was saying the same thing to us. I want an offering from you but it should cost you something. It should take you out of your comfort zone. It should, it should cost you to know that once I give this offering to God, I would be de devoted, I will be sincere in my devotion to him. However, we are cautioned, we are so cautioned that God says only the persons who offer the offering, whose offering is given from a place of Willingness, gratitude, generosity will be accepted. You and I sometimes find ourselves in situations where we are asked to do things or we are asked for things and we say yes, not because we really want to, but because we feel that if we, if we say no, we will not be received well. But God is saying to us, and it's, as he said last week, those offerings I will not receive. I want the RSVPs to come from people who know that they are going to show up on the day. And we are also mindful that God understands where we are and he knows that the truth is sometimes we're not, we don't feel as confident or sometimes we, we're not at that place. But God also knows the willingness of, an, of a person's heart. He knows where you are and he knows where he can get you. So though you may say, yes, RSVP, he allows your room. He allows your room to run a little late. He allows your room. But he knows your heart and he said, only if you are willing should you say yes? Because there is no place for an extra plate of food when you didn't show up. There is no place for, for, the, for the host to, to hire an extra chair and table because they, they counted you in. Or to have a, a souvenir for you because they counted you in. God is saying to us, no, when you RSVP, you should mean it. This week, as I said to you, we continue the series and I will be looking at Exodus 31, as Sister Karen read it for us. Through this text, we will observe that God chooses in individual to integrate all of who they are, which includes their jobs, their careers, their skills, their talent, their gifts, their craftsmanship, and their God-given talent, a sacred purpose. My first point I want to make this morning is to tell you that you are chosen. 
appointed and given the abilities to honor and serve God in everything you do. Let us look at Exodus 31. Exodus 31 tells us that God chose Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he appointed Oholiab and he of the tribe of Dan to help him. He gave ability to all the skilled workers to make everything he has commanded them to make. So we realize right there and then God is saying to us, I, he wants to build a temple. Last week, he asked the people, bring me an offering of gold and silver and bronze and, and blue and purple yarn and ram skin. And he said, bring me olive oil. He said, bring me fabrics, bring me leather. And as you, if, if you go ahead and you read Exodus 25, you'll be reminded of all the things that God had asked the Israelites to bring. This week, we see God choosing specific people to honor and to serve him. So as, as I said earlier, God wanted to build a tabernacle and he, he was choosing those he, he had given the abilities to accomplish his purpose. We see in Exodus 3 verse 10, God choosing and specifically calling Moses to bring his people out of Egypt. We see him choosing Aaron and his sons in Exodus 28 verse 1 to play a sacred role of ministering before him. And now we see God choosing craftsmen in Exodus 28 verse 2, who he said is filled with the spirit of wisdom to make garments. Can you believe that? One that asked to make garments. But as we go further on, you're going to see how God does his thing. These texts that I just read, Exodus 3 verse 10, Exodus 28 verse 1, and Exodus 28 verse 2, dispel the belief that what is done at church on Sunday is sacred, but what we do Monday to Friday at work is secular. I will repeat. The text that I just read dispels the very notion, the very idea, the very belief that you and I may have that only what we do at church on a Sunday is sacred. And what we do Monday to Friday is secular. The, those texts question the view that the pastor, the priest, the minister have sacred careers, but all other careers are secular. So I'll ask you this question. Do you see your job as sacred or secular? What influences your answer. So I'm going to go back. The text that I just read questions the view that the pastor, the priest, and the minister have sacred careers, but all other careers are secular. Maybe, like me, that was your answer. You said, yes, I, I work in a secular organization or I went to a secular university, or I have a secular career because it's not done on a, what I do. I do not do it on a Sunday morning unless it's an overtime and I have to go in the office to do it. The act of choosing Bezalel, appointing Oholiab and giving ability to the skilled workers emphasizes that all work is sacred when performed and dedicated to honor and serve God. And we will expound on that some more. We see God choosing Bezalel. We see God appointing Oholiab. And we see God gifting men to work with gold, silver, yarn, 
skin, cow skin, goat skin, ram skin with olive oil. And you say, but those are things that trade men work with, right? Here in America or in Jamaica, you would say, oh, those are trade men. Nothing secular, nothing sacred about a trade man. He's just knocking boards together. He's just using a saw or an armor. He's just using equipment. There's nothing holy about what he or she does. But this morning I want to share with you something that the Lord laid upon my heart as I was preparing. He said, I do not call you to compartmentalize your existence into sacred versus secular. God says, I have never called you, NLH, to compartmentalize your existence into sacred versus secular. Because if you did what he called you to do, you are working in the sacred. God said he would never give us a pass to turn on sacred and turn off sacred because he does not live in the unbalanced life. He does not live in a life that today, I'm Sunday, I am totally dedicated, but tomorrow I go back to my ordinary. He said he resides in the sacred and he calls his people to reside where he resides. God is saying to you and I this morning, everything about you, once you're a believer, is sacred. And so he says, I want you to have the mindset where the sacred is always infused with your ordinary. He says, I do not place greater significance on what we do on Sunday over what we do on Monday to Friday. He said, instead, he called us to live the life Jesus lived. Jesus lived a sacred life, Monday to Sunday, Sunday to Monday. So how do we live on a Sunday as opposed to how do we live Monday to Friday? Is it Sunday, the day we sing, I want to be more like you? But on Tuesday, when the I want to be more like you is drained out, we go back to living the ordinary life. You and I are called to live the life Jesus lived by intentionally intertwining and infusing the sacred in our everyday life. The same way God chose Moses and Aaron and his sons is the same way he chose Bezalel, Oholiab, and the skilled workers. The same way he appointed them to fulfill purposes, the same way he appointed those skilled workmen. They were all created and given the ability to accomplish purpose. But you may say, but they were working on the temple, so that was sacred. If they were building a school, if they were building a dog house, if they were building a chicken poop or a chicken pen, it would have been a sacred thing because it would be God, their desire to honor and to serve. And God said, once your heart is set to honor and to serve him, you're operating in the sacred. So God chose them and appointed and gave them the ability to accomplish his purpose where they worked. And he does the same for you and I. He says, wherever you work, I've called you to be sacred. Wherever you live, I've called you to be sacred. Whomever you speak to, I've called you to be sacred. Just like Jesus, the lifestyle of Jesus, the incarnated one. He says, as Jesus lives, as Jesus lived and walked among men. Have you ever seen Jesus turn on? Do, do, have you ever seen a picture of Jesus different in, on any day of the week? Think about it. Do you see a day of the week that Jesus was less pure, less holy? 
your talents, skills, and gifts are given to you, not for Sunday morning only, but for you to transform wherever God has planted you, wherever God has placed you to bring him honor. The, transform, the transformational mindset says, wherever you are, the atmosphere changes because you are there. You will become the thermostat wherever you are. So at work, it is you who set the temperature. In your community, it is you who set the temperature. In your homes, you get an opportunity to set the temperature because you are placed there by God, given the ability or abilities by God to bring him honor wherever you are. I heard a story of an individual traveling from Canada to Bermuda. It was raining heavily, I was told, and there was no sun in view because it was dark and cloudy. And the person said to me, as the plane ascended through the dark clouds, the sunlight shone brightly, revealing itself from the veil of darkness. You know why the sun was able to shine? The sun never left. The sun remained. The sun was made to give light. And the sun gave light all the time. And it's the same thing God is saying to you and I. He's saying to us at NLH, you are the light and the salt of the earth. Anywhere in the world you go, you will find light and you will find salt. Have you ever been to anywhere they say, we do not have salt? Have you ever read about a country that doesn't have salt? Have you ever read about a country that no light shines? Even Alaska. You hear that Alaska have six months of daylight till the sun is shining. When you and I approach our daily task with a conscious intent to live in alignment with our Christian values and beliefs, the sun is shining, the S-O-N is shining. When you and I see our interactions and our work as opportunity to serve and honor God 24 hours of the day, seven days a week, the S-O-N is shining. You and I are called to cultivate a grateful mindset, acknowledging that God's blessing through our skills and talents that were only given to us to give him honor and glory. So if you feel that on a Sunday morning, he's only the person who sings Tashina, the person who moderates, or the person who brings a message, which can be any one of us. If we stop to think that is the only time we are honoring God, we are so wrong. When you bake, you honor God. When you use your creative talents, you're not bored together, you're honoring God. Recently, I had an opportunity to knock some board together. And I knew that every board I knocked, I was knocking it together for God's glory. It was totally out of my anything I've ever done before, personally done before. When we interact with each other, when our interactive skills, you notice some of us are more interactive than some of us, than others. Some communicate more than others. Why did God give you that skill? Because he wants you to use it for his glory. When you sow, why did you think God allowed you to, to be able to straight, sow in a straight line when it took me one month to make a pillowcase? Because he says, everything I have given you Use it to give me glory. When you sing, why, why do you think God gave you the voice and didn't give some the same voice that you had? It's to bring him glory. What about when you pray? Do you think it's only on a Sunday morning you pray? God is saying to us at NLH, whatever gifts or talents or skills that he has given us, it's given to us for a purpose. And from the purpose, he must get glory. So wherever you find yourself, any day of the week, any time of the day, God is saying your purpose for being there 
in that spot, in that setting, in that place, is to give him glory. You notice we always speak about the God-given talents. Why would God give us talents? Why would God make us creative as he is creative? For no reason. Why would God allow someone to be good at math? You may be wondering, math? How can God get glory from math? It's the attitude in which you do what you do. Is it is, is the praise that you want him to receive when you do your work well? We are known for doing half-hearted things. We do, especially when we think we're not being noticed or we can get away with it. But remember, we're serving a God who sees everything. He sees our hearts. And he said, I refuse to accept offering that are offered to me out of obligation and duty. I refuse to receive offerings from you members of NLH that did not cost you anything. So how does it cost? Tune up the gift. Ensure that everything that you do, you have a sacred mind in place. Ensure that every ordinary looking thing that you do, it is infused with the sacred. Our God-given gifts and talents are to be used for sacred purposes, thereby highlighting the union that God is showing us of creativity and spirituality in fulfilling God's purpose. So there's this union of both of them coming together. We see God speaking, let there be. In, in our life, we would say, but what, what, what is so sacred about let there be light? But God is saying there is that union between creativity and spirituality. You, you cannot separate them. So who you are on a Sunday must be who you are on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Ben Johnson Thursday, your, your attitude must be the same. Your lifestyle must be the same. That's what God is saying to us. You may not even like your job. You may not like your colleagues. You may not like your neighborhood. You may not like your family. But you must break through the veil of darkness. And let the S-O-N shine through your life. Infuse your ordinary with the sacred. My second point this morning. You are filled to honor and serve God in everything you do. Again in Exodus 31 verse 1. We see where verse 3 actually. We see where God says I have filled Bezalel with the spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding and knowledge and with all kinds of wit skills. And if, 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 if the scripture had said, I have filled Bezalel with understanding and knowledge and all kinds of skills, we wouldn't even stop to pay much attention with that, right? Because he would have needed those. He would have needed those to do carpentry. You would have needed those to work with gold or to work with silver or bronze. You would have needed those. And so you wonder why would God in Exodus 31, 3 and Exodus 35, 30 make mention that he has gifted Bezalel with these things? Why was it necessary for Bezalel to have the spirit the, the spirit of God in him to do ordained, mundane, ordinary things using nail and hammer and saw. Again, in Exodus 28, verse 3, we see God telling Moses to tell the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matter that they are to make garments for Aaron. And you wonder, but to sow? They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit to sow. You say, but that makes no sense. Being filled with the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit of God is necessary for everything God calls you and I to do. And remember, the calling of God is not for a Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle. It's to live the incarnated lifestyle the way Jesus lived it. 
The Holy Spirit empowers you and I to love our supervisors. You see why we need it? We need the Holy Spirit because some of us have supervisors that we don't like. Some of us have difficult co-workers. Some of us have moody colleagues. And so God says, in order for you to give me glory, in order for you to, to do the work the way I want it to be done, to the perfection that he wants it, he says, I have to fill you with my spirit. It is the spirit of God that will, will teach Bezalel how to be the leader that he needs to be over the crew. It is the spirit of God who will teach Bezalel how to be patient with those who need a little bit more patience. It is the spirit of God who comes to empower us so that we can do the work the way he wants it to be done. You need self-control on your job. You have to ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit. You're tempted on the job. You're tempted even on your way to the job. You have to ask the Holy Spirit. You need guidance on the job. Ask the Holy Spirit. You need, do you need to be, to be able to discern when to, to, to submit, when to speak, when not to speak, who to speak, who to direct? Ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes so that he can guide you into your everyday, ordinary lifestyle so that it becomes sacred the way God wants it to, you to live. As God said to me when I was preparing, he said, I, do, I will never give you a pass to turn it on and turn it off. I always expect you to live in the sacred. So whether you, go to, did, you went to seminary or you went to FIU or you went to U, UWI or wherever you went, God says, when, when I have called you and I've chosen you and I've appointed you, I expect you to live a sacred lifestyle because it's only in the sacred that he gets all the honor and the glory. So if you and I live any old way, we want to live Monday to Friday. And then Sunday, we're back to the holy place. Isn't that a dual lifestyle? That's what we call duality or duplicity. We move away from the ordinary. We move away. God is saying, move away from the ordinary mindset and the ordinary perspective that causes you to live this dual mindset or this dual lifestyle. That makes it okay for you to think that I can be ordinary. I can be like everybody. I can rub shoulders with the crowd. I can fit in. And then Sunday, when my coworkers are not seeing me, I can raise my hands and I can sing the loudest. I can shout, whatever you are accustomed to doing. The truth is many of us will never invite our colleagues, our neighbors, our coworkers, whoever they are to church because they don't know that person. And unfortunately, that's not only in NLH, it's in every church you go, you'll find us trying, believers trying to live the dual lifestyle. My third claim to you this morning is you are invited to build. In Exodus 35, 20 to 26, after Moses gave the Israelite community the Lord's instructions, all who were willing, men and women alike, whose heart moved them to present their gifts, came. They came and they offered to God that which cost them something. That which wasn't easy to give up. That which was sacrificially done and not from obligation. That which their RSVP went in and said, I am in. God signed me up. Notice what they offered. Those who had gold jewelry willingly presented them as a wave offering. Those who had purple, blue, and scarlet yarn and durable leather, they willingly brought it. 
Those who had silver or bronze willingly brought them as offering to the Lord. Everyone who had something to offer brought it. It further went on and it said, the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning thread willingly prepared blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. All the women skilled in spinning goat hair into yarn willingly prepared it. The leaders brought stones, spices, and olive oil for light and anointing oil. Every man and woman eager to help in the work of the Lord brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. You may have heard me share a testimony many moons ago while I was living in Jamaica. I remember it a Sunday morning as it is now. And the offering plate was coming around and I had 1,500 Jamaican dollars in my pocket. Actually, that was what I had in my name. Because I never, not going to explain, because if I get into explaining why, it's not relevant. That's what I had in my name, 1,500 Jamaican dollars. The offering plate is coming around and I am sensing in my spirit, give all. I'm watching the plate moving, moving from aisle to aisle and I'm watching it coming and it's coming up to me and I'm wrestling. I am wrestling, I'm wrestling. If I gave all of the 1,500, it meant that my children would not have had any lunch money the next day. If I gave 500, I could give them $500 a piece. If I gave a thousand, I could give them 250 a piece. But if I gave all, I would have nothing to give them for lunch money. So I'm watching, I mean, the plate, I've never seen the offering plate move so quickly because it just kept coming upon me. It's coming, it's coming, and it's coming toward me and I am wrestling. Everything in me said, Ava, give it all, give it all, give it all, hold back nothing. And I had to wrestle, God, do I trust you with my all? Because that was the question indirectly. God, can I trust you with my all? As the plate got nearer and nearer, because uh, I held the one five in my hand, deciding what to pull out, what not to pull out, I just put everything in it. After I released it, something said to me, what did you just do? Do you realize that there have been no lunch money for Wade and Ashley? And I sat there in church and I said, God, I am going to trust you. I have never given my all before. Never prior to that. Never given my all. I've been accustomed to giving 10%. And if the 10, if, if a thousand, many times I would have given more than the 1,005 as my 10%. But that wasn't the issue. And as I said to you last week, it is never about the amount. It could have been $50. If it was $50, it's my all. God was saying, I am asking you, Ava, for your all. And he would have valued my all, giving him $50, and he would have valued my, my, my part, giving him $1,005. I was being asked to give him my all. And so as I gave my all, I wondered. I said, God, I am going to trust you. It's gone now. I can't even go back. <laughs> I can't go back and ask the lady for change because we never discussed it before. And I remember going home the afternoon and seeing the light on my answering machine. Then we had answering machine blinking. And as I retrieved the message, there's a job I did many years before for a woman. I did some construction work for her and she owed me 35,000. And the message on the machine was, come, I have money for you. God was testing me. God knew that that woman was gonna pay me that day, but he was testing me. Ava, are you willing to give me your all? And God sometimes bring us through those points of temptation. Not even he doesn't tempt us. Let me correct that. But he tests us. And he allows us to go through those moments where what is our all? He allows us to go through those moments where we, we, we have to decide, God, can I give you my all? 
Can I trust you with my all? And like me, God may be saying, what I need your all. And your all may be all of you. It may not be your money. It may be God is saying to you, I want you to invest yourself fully in me. I want you to withhold nothing of you, but give all of you to me. You and I have a role in building, in furthering the kingdom of God. And we get an opportunity to do it through NLH. And we see it as a privilege each time. I see it as a privilege each time. Each time I have to prepare a message, I have to remind the Lord who it is. I said, Lord, do you remember how you made me? Last night, my prayer was, Lord, bypass my intellect because I do not have enough to speak. Go beyond my wisdom. I'm not wise enough to be used. Go beyond everything that I have and give me all of what you are because I need you, Lord, to do what you have called me to do. Will you bring all of who you are and all of what you have to serve the Lord? Will you? Are you willing to present your offering to the Lord while at the same time allow him to use your skills and creativity? Because notice, he asks for offering from everyone, but he selectively used this or used those who he wanted to, to come. He said, those who he's chosen, he has gifted with the ability. But he says, all must partake. All have a place. All have a role. All of us has a place where God needs us to, to partake. We build the kingdom of God with our resources. We build the kingdom of God by giving our time. The truth is it's difficult after you have worked Monday to Friday, eight hours, some persons 10 hours, to come again and to do anything in the evening or on a Sunday. But God is saying to us, will you give me your all? Will you give me all of who you are and allow me to schedule your time? Will you give me all of your skills and your talents? Will you trust me with your money? Again, I told a story last week of a friend of mine who she'll give you the money to pay her your fare, but she will never give you a ride because she says, my time is too precious. For her, God will say, I need your time. I don't need your money. It's too easy for you to give money. For some of us, we, we struggle in one area or the other. We struggle with offering God something that did not cost us anything. And God is saying to us this morning, I have a role for you to play. We build the kingdom of God with our resources, but we do not build it grudgingly. We build it willingly. We build the kingdom of God with our resources, but we also build each other. That is building the kingdom. We learn to love. We learn to be compassionate. We learn to be there. We learn not to allow ourselves to be the stumbling block or the distraction that hinders someone's growth. I remembered when the Lord, since the Lord called me to go off to seminary, I reminded the Lord, I said, Lord, remember, I'm an engineer by profession. I'm in, in, that, in the nature of that job. I'm not required to be compassionate and loving. There's no place for that on the work site. I am to be rational, I'm to be logical. How can you call me to go to seminary when you know going to that, go, leadership in the church requires a heart of love? I said, God, you didn't wire me that way. And over time, I watched God begin to infuse my ordinary lifestyle, my mundane lifestyle with his love. And I am learning to love. I can tell you, I don't have to ask you. I know that I am more compassionate now than when I just began. 
I know that I can love more now than I began earlier. I know that I care more about people now than I cared initially. What about your life? What is God calling you to do? What do you sense God calling or leading you or inviting you to become a part of? When you and I embrace incarnational lifestyle, it's not merely something abstract and theological. It's a lived experience. It's a, it's a, it is a concrete expression of our faith. It's not something that we hear and we, 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 we speak about it in the ideal sense. No, it's a lifestyle that we cultivate and we develop. We are deliberate in our transforming the areas in which we, we find ourselves. We are intentional in winning souls and discipling others. And, and, and that is an area I confess I have fallen short. I have not been evangelizing as I, as I sense God has called of me to. And can I say the same thing of my fellow sisters and brothers? We have not been. Because God is asking me, how many persons did you lead to the Lord last year? The truth is, I lead more people in Kenya to the Lord than when I'm here in the United States. Why? I'm more intentional there. I am more deliberate in my actions there. I go there to do that. But what about here, Ava? What about being intentional here? What about winning souls here? We see our colleagues at work, our family members and neighbors, and we don't see them the way Christ sees them. Yesterday, I was privileged to, to sit, to go to attend a funeral of a, of, a, of a believer. And everything that was said about her, you knew she was a believer. There was no question mark. There's no wondering one day she made it. There's no wondering, even, even though she's a believer, what type of lifestyle she lived. It was obvious that this woman ensured that those she interacted with knew or heard about God. When last have you told someone other than another believer about God? You and I get to influence the people at work because that is where God has placed us. And the truth is, you may not like the job. You may not even like your, your, your colleagues. But God is saying to us this morning, you are chosen. You're appointed. You are gifted with the abilities and you are filled with the Holy Spirit to do the task that I have called you to do. You get to do this. You don't have to do it, but we get to do it. We begin a series, we will begin a series in, in, in February, March called Encountering Christ in Our Everyday Life. I'll be looking at different ways. We encounter God, Christ as a healer. We encounter him as a compassionate servant. We encounter him as the incarnate one. We encounter him in so many different ways. It is my hope that those of us who are chosen to present will illustrate to us how you have encountered Christ and to emphasize to us or to highlight or to show us ways in which we too can encounter Christ in our everyday life. If you know him as a compassionate servant, show, share it with us. At NLH, each week, there are certain functions that we must carry out. We must have someone to present the word. We must have someone to lead in worship. And we must have someone to moderate. And so I threw it out to you this morning. God is calling all of us because he has invited us to the table. I remembered a colleague of mine saying to me, when you finish your doctorate, Ava, you'll get to sit at the table. The truth is, God has already placed me around the table without the doctorate. Because here I am, getting an opportunity to speak to you, God's precious people. When God chooses you, when God appoints you, when God gives you or gifts you with the abilities and calls you and fills you with his Holy Spirit, you have a seat at the table. 
Who goes to the table and remain quiet? Who goes to a table where there's a conversation and remains quiet every day? Nobody does that. Why do we want to remain quiet at the table of God? We get an opportunity in our offices to, to, to show what we know, right? When an idea comes out and we, we, we say we are brainstorming, don't we throw our, our ideas in the, in, the, in, the, in the mix? Or do we sit there and have nothing to say meeting after meeting? No, it's the same thing in the kingdom. When God chooses you, which he has already done, when he appoints you, which he has already done, when he gifts you with the abilities that you need, which he has already done, he expects you to sit at the table and have something to say. So if you love to sing, call Tashina. I said, Tashina, I want, to, I want to do worship one week. I want, to, I want to lead worship one week. I want to sing. I want to do a song or I just want to lead worship. If you love to pray, come join us at 10.30 when we're just praying over the service before we start. Come. You may say, you know, I want to start a, a ministry in NLH of intercessory ministry where we just pray for people. We just pray day in, day out. If you have the ability to engage and to captivate an audience with good communication skills, come, we need moderators. Let us avoid the sin of withholding or being miserly with what God has gifted us with. Let us do our part to accomplish, to further the kingdom of God. Let us do our part to accomplish the purpose of God by furthering the kingdom of God. In Exodus 40, verses 34 to 35, when the work of the building of the tabernacle and everything associated with it was finished, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When I read that, it brought so much joy. That when you and I respond to God and we do what he wants us to do and his task is accomplished, his purpose is fulfilled, he comes and he fills, he fills the tabernacle. You are the temple. I am the temple of God. When you and I surrender, when we yield to the will of God, when we surrender our all to him, he comes. And he fills you. He fills me. So this morning, the question to you is, what, has, what is God calling you to do? What, has, what, what have you sensed God saying to you? Because you are seated at the table, what do you have to say? What can you offer to the Lord that will cost you something? Because it's not any old, any old. It's not just because, let me do it because, no. If that's the mindset, I can suggest that you don't, you don't RSVP. Don't even respond. And if, or if you RSVP, say I'm not available. Because God, will, God refuses to take from us that which costs us nothing. He refused to accept from us the offering that are being offered to him out of obligation. He refuses to work with us when we have not totally given our all, even if it is $50. Even, and I say $50 because I'm thinking of not money, but in terms of value. God wants our all. He wants our all. The song that comes to my mind, Sister Tash, he wants it all. I don't even know. He wants it all. You may have a better one. Go ahead with the one that you have. Stuff. You can prepare to, 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 um, to go. I just want us to, to, to stop and to think. We're in a new year. We are what? Day, today, day 14. So we're 14 days into the year. We have a choice this morning. We can choose to continue living the way we lived last year. So this year can be a continuation of last year. Or we can choose to say, Father, this year I want to be infused by you. 
I want my ordinary to be infused by the sacredness of God. I want my lifestyle to, 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 to be similar to the lifestyle of Christ. I want to live the incarnational lifestyle. I accept this morning that I am chosen. We don't have to question that. I know that I am chosen. I know I'm appointed. I know I have the gifts and the abilities. But will you allow the glory of the Lord to fill your tabernacle this morning? As the scripture said that I read earlier, that when the work was finished, when the work of building the tabernacle was finished, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I don't know if you want to, that your tabernacle, your temple to be filled. I want mine. After this morning, we're going to do something we don't normally do. Right where you are, I want us to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Again, if you're not ready, it's okay. So we're not always going to be ready at the same time. This morning, I want us to dedicate ourselves afresh. We've started a new year, as I said before, 14 days in. But I do not want to, I don't want my 2024 to be just a continuation of my 2023. I want a change. I want to be the vessel through which God works through. I want to be used by him in tangible and intentional ways. I don't want to just be someone left doing a little. And doing a little is good if that's what God has appointed you to do or appointed me to do. But I, for some strange reason, I sense that God has called all of us to more. I want to be the vessel that he works through. I want to be more like him. Can you say that this morning? I want to be more like you. More like you, Jesus. I want to be more like you. More like you, Lord. I want to be the vessel that you work through. I want to be more like you. I want to be the vessel that you work through. I want to be more like you. Will that be your confession today? I don't just want to be busy, Lord, because I can also get caught up into just being busy. I just want to be used by you. I only want to do the things that you want me to do. I don't want to be running there and there and there and there. No, only the things that you can do through me. Only the thing that were designed, that I have gifted with the ability and the skills where I'm appointed and chosen and given the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge to do. The truth is, I can guarantee you that those who were filled with the Holy Spirit to make garments had different wisdom than those who were filled with the Holy Spirit to work with gold. Different skill sets they would need. And so one would have the wisdom to be able to know when, when the gold is pure, purified. One would need to know how to get that buttonhole cut or to, to do that particular um, 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 sewing style or whatever you call it. What God is saying to us this morning, I have called you, I have chosen you, I have appointed you, I have filled you, I have gifted you. Will you give me your all? No one wants to make an investment fully where your return is far less than your investment. Nobody invests money 
to get to, for the return at the end of the day to be less than what they invested. If you invest $50, you want at least $100. You don't want 40 at the end of it. Nobody, that wouldn't be wise. That there's no wisdom in that. God is saying to you and I this morning, I need you and I need all of you.